Hello there, and welcome to the first episode of the Roundoiter podcast. My name's Tim Richards. Before we start, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that listened to the trailer, everyone that shared it, everyone that wrote to me to say best of luck. I'm really appreciative of all of the support. I don't want to waste too much time at the start explaining what this podcast is going to be, what the structure is going to be. It's going to be very loose, it's going to be very casual, and it's just going to be me giving my thoughts about what's happening. We are three weeks into the transfer window, and I figured today's probably a good time to look at Bayern's activity so far. So if we start with the players that Bayern have got in, the first thing that they did was they announced Conrad Leimer uh, for free from RB Leipzig. He's 26 years old central midfielder but slightly more defensively minded than other players in the squad this is for my money or for no money because it's free a very very important transfer that Bayern should have probably made a lot sooner than they actually did this is a hugely important transfer but it's a position more accurately it's a role that Bayern really should have addressed a very very long time ago he's high pressing he's high energy high speed highly versatile But beyond anything else, he's a slightly more defensively minded midfielder. And I think that is probably the most important thing to factor in here. So he comes in and of the three transfers, I think you can maybe like make an argument for one of them that I'll talk about in a little bit. He probably has the clearest path to a starting role in this squad. I believe that the the plan for Thomas Tuchel going forward is to play with a 4-1-4-1 and so I think it's fairly clear to see what Lima's position in that role uh, in that squad would be it would be in that one in front of the defensive line now there's a kind of a lot of discussion about whether or not he is or he isn't a defensive midfielder I've seen people say he's a box-to-box midfielder he's just he just presses a lot and you know he's as much a defensive midfielder as N'Golo Kante is I completely understand that but I think for the time being Conrad Leimer is somebody that can facilitate that role very, very well. To be more specific, I think he can facilitate that role a lot better than other players in the squad currently can. So I was listening to The Ripple Effect with James Alcott uh, the other day, and he and his guests were talking about how this idea of positions and players being a defensive midfielder or a left-back or a right-winger, that whole argument is kind of starting to come to an end or more accurately it's becoming a lot less relevant because football is now so much less about positions and rather about specific roles on the pitch so I think they were talking about John Stones and how by trade he is a centre-back but the way that Guardiola's getting him to play he's playing as a right-back or a very far right-sided centre-back who is also playing in defensive midfield. So it's not really something that you can put an exact label on, but you can say, this is the job that he does. I think that's kind of a big argument around Conrad Leimer being such an important transfer for Bayern. I think whether or not he is actually a defensive midfielder, if he is a Busquets, if he is a Xabi Alonso, if he is a, a Javi Martinez, I don't think he's any of those but I think he's somebody that can do bits of what those players do. I remember when the rumours around Declan Rice started to pick up, I was trying to read up as much as I could on him and what he was like as a player. And there was this this big debate of like, oh, he's a defensive midfielder. No, he's not because he gets forward like far too much for a defensive midfielder. He's clearly a box-to-box. I don't think that matters anymore. I think you can say this player plays in this area and he does these things. I think pinning it down to one label is, I don't know, I, th- I think there's a lot more nuance to it than uh, 
than is currently being given. But what Conrad Leimer, I think, is going to be able to do is he's going to bring a sense of defensive stability that Bayern have really, really lacked. I've said this a thousand times before. Bayern have really lacked that defensive stability since Thiago left. I, I don't know. I don't really know the best way of putting this. But I think with Lima arriving, as well as there being discussions around Bayern potentially looking for an actual number six to completely negate what I was just talking about, about the roles and positions, the arrival of a defensive-minded midfielder and a potentially, I don't know who the, who the name is yet, a actual defensive midfielder, that does put a huge question mark on Leon Goretzka. And I think that is long overdue. Because I think in particular this season, but also last season and the season before, he has shown that that double pivot of him and, and Yosua Kimmich is not stable in the slightest. Having somebody like Conrad Lima come in to be that defensively secure midfielder behind the players like Musiala, Muller, Kimmich, whoever it is, it makes everyone's life just a lot easier. And I think what Goretzka's done has shown that he simply is not up to the task. I'd, I'd, I'll talk more about like players potentially leaving later on, but in terms of the player that Conrad Leimer is, he is a profile that Bayern have dearly, dearly missed in the last few years. And so I'm, I'm all for it. In addition to Conrad Leimer, Bayern have also announced Rafael Guerrero arriving from Dortmund. This is the 400th player that Bayern have bought from Dortmund in the last two years, even though the last player was Mats Hummels in like 2016, but whatever, details. Rafael Guerrero arriving from Dortmund for free, 29 years old, great depth at left back, but he's also another option for the midfield. So another thing um, that's so good about Conrad Leimer is the fact that he is by nature a central midfielder, but he is also capable of potentially playing. He could probably play out wide because he's got a bit of pace to him. But in particular, I know that he's played a few games as a right back. It's kind of the inverse of that with Rafael Guerrero, who is typically utilised as a left back, more like a left wing back. But he's also somebody that has comfortably played in the middle as like a number eight, maybe it's like a number 10 sometimes. Um, in particular, he was doing that at Dortmund under Tuchel. So it's great to have that sort of familiarity back. So he's the sort of player who's coming in clearly as a deputy to Alfonso Davies. But the fact that he's coming in from the team that finished second in the league, it does mean that you could probably expect him to put a bit of pressure on Davies as well. And I think that's that's something that Davies needs at the moment. I think I don't want to suggest that uh, Alfonso Davies has become complacent and he thinks, oh great, I'm the best left back in the world, I can, I'll be here forever. I think it is more a case of he is clearly struggling with something as obviously he's been he's picked up a few injuries and that's going to have a big impact on you and he had a number of really really good moments last year and and the year before that but it was that breakout season in in 2019-20 where he really really showed up he just hasn't reached that same level again and I, I'm not I'm not going to suggest that he's never going to reach that level again I think He's, he's shown time and time again, in particular last season, that he has got the ability in him. But I think having somebody as, as good as Guerrero behind him is only going to push him to do, to do better. So defensively, Guerrero's not the most secure, but in terms of the ability, his overall ability and his versatility, 
familiarity with Thomas Tuchel, this is another really, really great signing. So far, that's two for two. I think like Bayern have addressed, they've addressed needs in the squad and they've done them by by just picking up really, really great deals. I think even if one of these guys was was free and the other one cost, I don't know, like 20 million, I think that's still that's still very, very good. Earlier this week, Bayern announced that they had officially signed Kim Min-jae from Napoli. 50 million euros, and I can't say that I watched a load of Napoli games last season. I watched them in the Champions League, I watched some highlights on YouTube, of course. But of what I've seen of this guy, and of what I've read, and other people's opinions on him, this is excellent. This is a really, really good transfer, in particular because Bayern have, have lost Lucas Hernandez. I'll talk about that shortly. But this is another signing from from the Italian league where Bayern have identified one of the best performers in the league and said, that's our guy. So he was a crucial part of Napoli's title winning side. Obviously, guys like uh, like Osimhen and Farad Skelia. That's the first time I've said that out loud. They are the guys that get all the plaudits, but, you know, defence wins trophies. And Kim and Jay being such an important part of that Napoli team, it's really, really reassuring to see that he kind of effortlessly fit into that. And he kind of hoped that he's going to effortlessly fit into the Bayern squad as well. So he's he's a tall guy. He's like six foot three, very, very strong. He's quite agile as well. Like His tackling is very, very firm, a lot like De Ligt. But it's also his passing ability and his presence in the build-up that probably makes him the perfect partner to either, to either De Ligt or Meccano as well. I think he kind of has the best parts of both of those. And so in that sense, it's, it's really great that Bayern have identified a player that complements both of them. So one thing in particular that I like about this signing is the fact that I think the biggest competitor for Kim Min-jae was Manchester United. And I know that they've obviously fallen off and like they're not the same United that they were 15 years ago. And like They're going through a rebuild and I like Eric Ten Hag and I like Marcus Rashford as well. And it is, it's interesting to see like what United are doing, but fundamentally this isn't the team that they were like 15 years ago like they don't have that Sir Alex pull anymore but it is still you know this is Manchester United we're talking about if I can if I can quote every pundit ever so the fact that Kim and Jay was given the option because realistically it's up to him he could choose more or less any team that he wanted to for him to choose Bayern over Manchester United I think that's a huge win and it's just the sort of thing that is going to like immediately endear him to the fans. There's one thing in particular that I don't really like about the Kim and Jay transfer, and that's the fact that it is 50 million euros. I think I'm not I'm not disputing that like, oh, he's not worth anywhere near that. I think you could probably make a fairly easy argument that he is. My my issue with it is not it's not him, uh, and it's not necessarily the price tag, but it's the fact that this is yet another centre-back that Bayern have spent like a good amount of money on in a very short amount of time. So I've, I've said this before about Bayern buying uh, a number of players, none of which have really lived up to the standard that Mats Hummels set. I think in terms of a defensively secure centre-back, Mats Hummels was one of the best. In terms of his passing ability, Mats Hummels was one of the best. In terms of what he brings to the defence in that intangible sense, like that sense of leadership and organisation, he was one of the best. I think he ticked three boxes that Bayern have really struggled to tick with one player since that. I think, I'll talk more about this when I, when I look at Lucas Hernandez, but 
Hernandez was brought in for 80 million and he was tough tackling, very good. His passing wasn't exactly atrocious, but he didn't really take on that mantle of being a leader. And that's probably what kept him out of the team in favour of somebody like David Alaba, is what Hansi Flick like would play David Alaba at any given opportunity. But then in addition to that, somebody like Benjamin Pavard, who he wasn't really a centre back like he was, but he was kind of playing out wide and you know that's another that's another like thirty-five million and he wasn't exactly a leader, like he had a good sense of versatility and at times he was defensively secure, but he was a little bit inconsistent and and then, you know, he spent most of his time playing as a right-back, so does that even really count? Of Meccano, really good passing. Uh, he can be defensively secure, but then at times he isn't. And so then that starts to question, okay, is is even that guy? And he was about, like, 35, like, 40 million. I can't remember how much of Meccano was, but Bayern have spent a lot of money on players and haven't been able to replace or haven't effectively replaced Mats Hummels I think that kind of changed with De because when De came in he was instantly that guy where whenever he was playing whenever he was on the ball whenever he was going one-on-one with a player you'd kind of you'd back him you'd think yeah this is probably going to be fine I'm, I'm all for Kim Min Jae joining Bayern I, th- I think it is generally a very good uh, a very good signing and I think given that Lucas Hernandez has gone I think it's it's understandable because obviously he left at 45 and Kim and Jay's joined for 50. So, if, you know, if you want to do the maths, it's about 5 million. But yeah, it is it is quite frustrating that Bayern's defensive issues have been, uh, that it's taken them so long to like properly address that. I don't know. I think maybe that's just my, maybe that's just my problem. And like, I, I kind of wish, ideally, I would have loved to have seen Matt Sommel stay at Bayern for longer. But, you know, it is what it is. So those are the confirmed transfers. There's three really, really great players. There have been a lot of rumours around around Harry Kane, and it would be so good to talk about it, but I feel it just seems like a bit of a waste of time right now, at least. So I'm not I'm not going to bother. Maybe I'll like do a whole episode talking about Harry Kane, but this is a saga that's going to go on for a very, very long time. And I hate the idea of like every few days there's a, oh, we've got an exclusive. There is still no movement on the Harry Kane transfer. I I want him to come to Bayern. And by all accounts, it seems like he wants to go to Bayern. So I guess we just have to wait. I I think like officially Bayern have submitted two bids for him, starting low, hoping to meet Daniel Levy in the middle. But that's going to take a very, very long time because I think Daniel Levy's idea of the middle is nowhere near the middle. I'm not expecting to hear anything about this until after the preseason tours and probably until right near the end of the transfer window. When something interesting happens, then yeah, it's definitely going to be worth talking about. But for the time being, he isn't a Bayern player. He is a Spurs player. And and we wait. Other rumours, there have been there've been a lot of English players, which for me is fine because it means that I've suddenly become like an authority on Bayern. But in terms of, in terms of other rumours... Declan Rice was rumoured to go to Bayern for a while. That didn't come to fruition. He's signed with Arsenal now. Um, I actually started writing something about Declan Rice when the rumours started to pick up pace, just talking about how good that sort of transfer would be for European football as a whole, like not just for Bayern. So the idea of someone like Declan Rice, who's just on the verge of his peak years, leaving England and exploring Europe, 
I think that would be that would be a huge get, not just for Bayern, not just for Germany, but for Europe as a whole, because it opens up the avenue for other players to say, OK, if he's done it and he's been successful there, maybe I'll do that. I get why he's at Arsenal and honestly, best of luck to him. He seems like a really nice guy. I would have loved to have seen him at Bayern, but yeah, I get it. The other transfer that could potentially happen is Kyle Walker. This report seems to be picking up a little bit of pace, and I believe... The, I think the latest is that Walker has said to Pep Guardiola that he wants to leave. I don't think City's the sort of team that's going to stand in the way of a player who wants to who wants to go. I, I think like Pep in particular is is very much of that disposition where if a player isn't committed, okay, fine, no hard feelings, best of luck to you. It would be an unusual transfer, but I think he showed in the Champions League, in, in particular against Real Madrid, that he is still one of the best right backs around, in, especially in like in 1v1s. I think the way that he handled Vinicius Jr. was really, really great. Very, very impressive. Um, but he just doesn't fit exactly what City are, are going for. He doesn't do it as well as other players do. Um, so like, if something happens there, then yeah, let's have a talk about it. But for the time being, these are just rumours. So now we get to look at transfers out of the club. So I think there are a few players that are uh, that they're on the list for potential sales. So we've got Benjamin Pavard, Leon Goretzka, Sadio Mane, and probably Marcel Sabitzer too. Um, in terms of players that have left, um, Bright, RMB, and Jao Cancelo, Daily Blind, the, you know, loans expire, contracts end. I, I would have liked to have seen Cancelo stay, but also the fee for him to stay would have been like astronomical and just kind of not really worth it. I think in terms of like the player that Guerrero is, is like. A Cancelo light he can kind of do like the similar thing so it's not a huge loss um but in terms of like global appeal I think having somebody like Cancelo at the club was was a really good thing for Bayern but again it is what it is um so yeah if, if the price was lower than Bayern definitely would have looked into it but with Guerrero they've got somebody that has that versatility so it's really not really not the end of the world in terms of like actual transfers out a club has come in to buy this player. This player has now gone. Uh, there's been one so far. I think like the latest that I've seen is that Sadio Mane might have agreed personal terms with Al Nasser. I think, um, but I, I, again, that's just that's just what's being reported. The only transfer that Bayern have got going out is Lucas Hernandez to PSG for 45 million, and I don't know how to feel about this because. I want to feel I want to feel something about this departure because I, I feel like I should but just generally I don't I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm alone in that so the the context around it is that he was in the middle of going through a contract extension despite the fact that he had only played 11 games last season he was in the middle of a contract extension and then suddenly PSG are interested in it and I, I think what they're doing is trying to like build up a squad of like really talented French players but he was in the middle of going through a contract extension and then suddenly he was saying actually I'd like to go to PSG so thank you bye so the reason why I'm kind of conflicted about this I'm not even conflicted I'm very certain that I have no feelings about it so he was a player who was always giving everything that he could on the pitch which like you could probably make an argument that that was why he was always struggling with injuries so he arrived for 80 million euros which was 
a, a ridiculously high amount of money because it was it was just under double the previous record that Bayern had paid. So they they paid for they paid 40 million for Javi Martinez. A few years later, they paid I think 41 and a half for Corinthians Tolisso, and then suddenly 80 million on Lucas Hernandez. He had a good World Cup. Let's not deny it. It just always seemed like that number was ridiculous. So before he joined Bayern, he missed nearly six months. Uh, due to an MCL injury and when he joined Bayern he didn't ever really have like a set role in the starting 11 certainly not in his in his first season so he picked up another injury in October uh, in October of 2019 missed three months there and then by the time he came back Flick had already kind of decided that his starting centre-back partnership was going to be David Alaba, Jerome Boateng and then he just never really got into it until Alaba left. Since he joined, he only ever played 40% of all of Bayern's games. So in terms of like return on investment, that's poor. Like that's really not good. And like, I don't want to talk badly about a player being injury prone because like some of my favorite Bayern players have been injury prone and invariably they can't help it. Like Iron Robbins, Sebastian Deisler, uh, Frank Ribery, um, like Schweinsteiger as well. Like these are guys who their body is just made in a certain way that when they're on the pitch, incredible. But if they're injured, it's a huge, huge shame. But you can't really, you can't really project feelings of like anger or malice or animosity towards a player because of just what their body's doing. Like sometimes it's just out of their control. But when a club has put so much faith in you through your injuries, through your operations, and then offered a contract extension, despite the fact that you'd only played 11 games that season, and then to leave without having really made that impact, it doesn't make me angry that he's leaving. Like, I'm not angry. I, I wish that I was. I'm, I'm angry about the fact that I'm not furious. I just don't feel anything about that. So he was supposed to be... Bayern's version of Virgil van Dijk and maybe you can say that when he was on the pitch he performed as well as van Dijk does because you know the like defensively Bayern were better when he was on the pitch but when you when you have that sort of sizable investment in one player and you don't immediately get that sense of return like when you spend 80 million on somebody and it takes them three years to get a, a proper run in the starting 11 it just leaves, and, and then and then to see it end like this, it just leaves me so, like, unbothered about it. And that, in turn, is the thing that's bothering me. So he's gone to PSG, like, he's 27 years old, 45 million euros. Great. Cool. That's completely fine. So other potential departures are Benjamin Pavard, Leon Goretzka, Marcel Sabitzer, and Sadio Mane. I think only Pavard has said explicitly that he wants to leave while Mane and Goretzka both said that they that they want to stay at Bayern and, and you know prove the haters wrong. So Mane's probably first on that list of potential departures and depending on how the pre-season goes, how the rest of the matches go, if Lima performs well and if Bayern end up buying like a, an actual number six, Goretzka might be looking at other options because he said I want to stay and I want to fight, I want to I want to prove people wrong and you know, like the fans don't know what the what the coach says to me. If he wants to play in the Euros, if he wants to have a starting role in the Euros, he really, really needs to step it up. 
and it isn't even a case of like the positional awareness or like him being let down by other players it's the fact that he's just unable to make a really easy pass in the same way that other players can things for him look like they are so much harder to do than the way that Kimmich passes the ball the way that Musiala carries the ball so I don't know maybe, maybe I'll talk more about the midfield situation another time when things are a little bit clearer for the time being, I hope that you enjoyed the very first episode. I haven't worked out what sort of schedule this is going to be, so it might just be a bit sporadic. But if there's some interesting news or some rumours and, you know, reports start to pick up, then, you know, I'll happily look at that and I'll give my thoughts on that. But until then, uh, thank you for listening and I'll see you all very soon. <laughs>